Hi everyone, welcome to 90th Minute Winner with me, Scott Noble. This is the 11th and final episode of Series 1. I would just like to thank everyone who's listened to any episode this series. It's been a fantastic new project for me personally. Um, and I hope you've all enjoyed the episodes um, that have been put on in previous weeks. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Ian Herring, who is a former Swindon Town, Eastleigh, Forest Green and Hungover Town midfielder. So Ian, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Scott. Um, it's great to have you on. So, first and foremost, I think it's only right that we we talk about your former club, Swindon Town, who only a couple of days ago got confirmed as the champions of League Two to be promoted back to League One. It must be fantastic to see as a, as a former player that that's the case. Yes, um, like you say, as a former player, but essentially it's my hometown club as well. I've lived in Swindon my whole life, apart from uh, two years when I lived up north for a bit. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic, not only for the club, but for, for the town as well. And the, 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 the club's kind of not had a great time of it as of late, and as all, they always seem to be sort of a bit of a yo-yo club. So, um, Richie Richie Wellens has done a fantastic job this season, and it, it's um, good to see them to see them uh, the league make the decision that I th- think is right, really. And I think Swindon would have won the league anyway. So yeah, it, it's wonderful to see. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's took a while to get to the to the conclusion it has, but do you feel now with the the club being back promoted and they seem to have a manager there who who knows what he what he's doing and he, he obviously knows the club quite well? Do you feel like this is the start of something quite special for the club? Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, hopefully they can keep hold of Richie as long as possible. I think um, I've not had great dealings with him, but we, we like I say, the Swindon hasn't had a, had a great deal of success over the past sort of few years. And they they were very close to the bottom of the bottom of the football league not so long back. Yeah. And um, come in and, and he, he got a lot of criticism at the start of this year. Funnily enough, and it sort of baffled me as sort of looking from afar. And um, we we played them in pre-season. It was only half their squad. They split the team their their squad between us and um, Salisbury, I think. Yeah. And on the night, it's kind of it was just half their squad and how we got them to play and and, and the way they were. It's the best I've seen Swindon for a long, long time. And then then sort of halfway through the season, when there was some wet weather, they come and trained at, um, at Hun- on Humphreys pitch. Um, the day before a game, and just those those two sort of I watched the whole session, and those two sort of short short sort of opportunities to view how he works and what he does with them. I think he's pretty special, um, and I think I think the club are, are, are benefit in having his leadership um, pointing them pointing them in the right direction, really. But also his, his team around him as well, with Noel Hunt, who I've had a lot of dealings with loan players. I think it's brilliant for, for the club and, and they're, they're, they're a great management team. Brilliant. Hopefully they're, you know, they're comfortable in League One next season, whatever that may be. Um, so we'll come into your career now. So majority of players who are made in a, a given professional contracts are generally brought through academy levels or the alternative is that they generally get picked up from non-league, non-league level. If you look at Jamie Vardy, he's a prime example. How, how did you get to, to the level of being professional? Um, so it, it was it was quite turbulent actually. Um, I was with Swindon from I think ten years old. Yeah. Um, and I actually got released um, at sixteen um, when it when it was a decision for a scholarship. So Swindon released me, which obviously sort of crushed my dreams. But um, I went on trial to trial at Reading 
didn't get in at Reading, um, then went on trial at Portsmouth for a week, was invited back at Portsmouth, but um, I didn't feel didn't feel the, the environment sort of suited me and didn't feel welcome really and sort of said to my dad I didn't want to go back and then with that over the same weekend Swindon got back in touch and wanted to offer me non-contract terms for a scholarship okay. so then then the season started and I was sort of I just left school and I was in the under 19s team every week so it was a lot different back then it was under 17s and under 19s team but I was in the under 19s every week and they offered me full scholarship form and then fast forward sort of two years later I was re- actually released again um, and not given a pro but so I went out on loan to Salisbury went uh, for a month then to Chippenham for a month and that was kind of I think that was one of the best things I ever done going out on loan playing adults football and then with a couple of injuries got called back and made my debut away at Crewe so played in that then played the next game at home to Plymouth and then fortunately got a, got a third sort of reprieve if you like and uh, was offered a pro off the back of that yeah good stuff Um You've obviously had a a few loan spells and you had, you know, a few different clubs in your career, but with your hometown being Swindon, was with all your was your best memories of playing or was there another club where you looked at where you thought, you know, you you felt really comfortable and, and really settled? Uh, yeah, Swindon, Swindon wasn't a great time. I didn't help myself to a certain degree, but also I wasn't given a great opportunity. Um, and in hindsight, I possibly shouldn't have accepted the pro in, in, in sort of how it come about. Um, but I was in that position, my hometown club, and if I turned it down and didn't get another opportunity, then I'd always be looking back thinking, what if? So I don't regret anything with that. But um, my, my sort of two best spells of football was definitely my two two years at Salisbury, Salisbury City um, in the Conference National. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. We're playing personally really well. The team was playing really well. And the, the group of lads um, that we had there were not only excellent, in terms of football, they they were a good group as well. Um, so that, and obviously Hungerford winning two two promotions. So they they were the kind of two stints of my career where I felt settled and and happy really. Yeah. So you said there about Salisbury City and, and Hungerford Town. What were your your lasting memories of of those two clubs? You, you know, you mentioned promotions and an obvious one, but what in particular made the made those memories so those sort of times in the club so special for you? Um, Salisbury I think it was because I was becoming a bit more of a, a man mentally if yeah. you like I, was, I think I was 23 when I signed for them and it was a good level of football and um, we were up against the likes of Oxford United and Torquay in the league then in Conference National and it was a tough tough league and Salisbury come a long way in a short space of time I think they got promoted two years on the trot to get to the Conference National and then I signed for them from Chippenham so it was a, it was a two-league jump for me yeah. um, but the opportunity to work under Nick Holmes who I believe is one of the best managers that was about at the time and it's a shame for the game of football that he's not managing anymore um, to, to work under him in a full-time environment and play the amount of games I did um, at the level I did that 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 was um, yeah, that was happy times. And like I said, the, the group was special as well. The group of players, we had Matt Tubbs, Liam Feeney, Andy Sandell, Ryan Clark in goal, plus all the lads, Wayne Turk, Scott Bartlett, who were, who were sort of, who were real good non-league players. Um, it, there was a good blend of experience and youth there. And, and we, got, we got on like a house on fire as lads, I feel. 
and um, so yeah, that's what that's kind of why I enjoy that enjoy that that spell of my career. But um, Hungerford as well, it, it, it it's because I think it's because we won, we won things, we we're successful, and ne- I'd never sort of I've I've always believed that adult football, no matter what level you're at, whether it's Premier League or whether it's sort of right down to the grassroots, it's um, not a lot of people get opportunities to win things in their career yeah. and um, to get two promotions with Hungerford, albeit through the playoffs, is it, something that was very special. Yeah, it's, it, like you said, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if it's automatic or through through the playoffs. And in a way, the playoffs is probably a little bit sweeter because of the fact that you've had to go through those two extra matches, potentially three extra matches as well. It, it probably makes it a little bit a little bit sweeter as well. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a, a, a bit more pressure on the, on both days, the semi-final and final as well. So it's kind of the mixture of emotions of obviously the, the euphoria of winning, but obviously the relief as well. So, um, so yeah, if, if you kind of go up, if you had a choice, I think that's probably the best way to do it, if you like. Yeah, and it's obviously, it's no doubt it's the worst way to lose as well. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, so... Something I'm always interested in. I personally love non non league football, and I, I try and get, try and go to as many games as I possibly can. But with me being up from the northeast, I only ever get to see you know the national league, the national league north, the national, uh, the northern premier. With you being from yeah. from down south, what was the what's the standard like down south? Um, it's not all that different in terms of standard. I I don't think. I I mean I played for Northwich Victoria in the in the in the conference north for a year. Um, I do feel I do feel it's more it's more physical as you go as you go up north. But that being said, it's it's it's, it's not a great deal of difference. I don't think personally. I mean, if you but if you just look at the two leagues, the National League South and the the North. Just on paper, I think the clubs in the north. You think, blimey, there's some there's some big clubs up the northern way that are in non-league football, as there is southern. But I think more so northern. I think the the, the, the fan base. It seems to be there seems to be a lot of big clubs with a lot of fans at at, at the clubs up north. Um, but no, I don't think there's a great deal of difference at all, really. Yeah, it's actually. You know, it, it it's difficult to compare because you don't you don't watch teams every week. And I've I've tried to get the I've been to a Spennymoor game, Spennymoor Town. I've been to South Shields, which is the, the league below. But I think it sort of depends on the the way the the team plays as well. That you suggest maybe that that's how you you gauge a, an understanding of what the standards actually like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a there's a lot of good players in non-league football, and whether that's the the, the national league premier or the non north and south, or even steps sort of three, four, and five. There's a lot of there's a lot of good good footballers in non-league football now, and um, I think going back sort of five, ten years ago, perhaps the football in non-league was a bit more direct and possibly a little bit more so up up northern way. But I think I think that's still the same now. No matter where you are, there's more than one way to skin a cat, isn't there? Yeah. Who's to say what what's the right way of playing football? When essentially it's all about winning three points. Different managers have different philosophies, if you like, of how the game should be played. Um, so yeah, it, it, in in terms of in terms of the, the the standard, I think it I think it varies in, in the style of play. 
um, is different within a league, if that makes sense, um, let, let alone when you go to the north or south of the country. Yeah, I think it's a good point you make there about there's more than one way to skin a cat because when you're working in junior football, generally it's you know it's about development. If if you win games as well, it's it's a bonus. You know you you're generally developing kids to get to a point where fingers crossed they can they can play at a good level when they young when they're older. But when you're working in non-league, it is generally you know the best way to win almost whether it be playing pure football like some teams I've seen up up in north in the north or if it is just a case of you you know you play to suit your players if you've got a team full of big lads you 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 play quite direct and that's ultimately that's the way that's, that's going to get you three points yeah obviously i think i think every single every single club situation and obviously every manager at that club situation they're all different and and it's such a it's such a question that if you think about an awful lot, then 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 you can come up with many different answers. And by that, I mean, take us at Hungerford, for instance. We're step two. We're punching well above our weight. Um, I've been there for a long time. So am I under pressure to win three points week in, week out, or I get sacked? No, I'm not. Yeah. Um, am, I, am, I, am I at an age where... I've got a burning desire to, to be a manager at a higher level of as higher level as possible. So I put so much pressure on myself that I want to win and does the style of football get affected? No, I'm not. Yes, I do want to manage in the football league, but that, that will come. So then there's an opportunity. How else can I get a, a win, if you like? Yeah. Um, of course, we want to win three points, but our style of play, but also get young players coming to the club, getting them to learn and develop and then hopefully climb the footballing ladder. That is, say, a win for us, not only me as a manager, but the club to get players to progress. And obviously, if you can stay in the league for us while we're doing that, um, then great. Um, but whereas some other clubs, they there's all managers, certain situations, a manager might go into a club halfway through the season. So he's got to adapt to another manager's players um, and find a way to get those three points for short term and, and hopefully bide enough time until he can get his own players in to play how he wants to play, if that makes sense. So it's kind of it's, it's, it's such a such a sort of complicated question and every case is different, if that makes sense. Yeah, very true, very true. So we'll move on to when you were appointed Hungerford Town player manager. Um was it an expected role? Expected um, from your point of view, or did you did you get thrown into it, or did you have a conversation weeks beforehand? No, it was um, so. Initially, I was doing. I'd done it joint with another player, John Boardman. So um, I think it was our second season in, in the National League South. After four games, our former manager resigned. Okay. Um, which comes as a bit of a shock, really. But the season before, we 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 couldn't, um, we didn't, we wasn't eligible for the playoffs due to the seating criteria. Yeah. Um, the same as Paul, who finished just above us. So, I think that was a bit of behind the scenes stuff. And I think from the club's perspective, it might not have been sort of such a shock. But to me, as a player, it was a bit of a shock. So, um, so. The, the manager left and took all his team with him. So me and another player sort of said to the to the chairman, if you want us to sort of look after it for for a week or so until you find someone that, that fits the bill, then we're happy to do that to help the club out type of thing. 
Um, and then he asked us if we both wanted to do it. So it, it kind of come unexpected. Um, and to be 34 years old, to give, be given that opportunity to manage at step two, it was kind of it was kind of something that I couldn't turn down really. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, and I was fortunate to be at a club as well, like I touched on earlier. There wasn't really so much pressure to that I had to win every single week, even though we wanted to. Um, so yeah, it was a wonderful opportunity, and that's that's how it come about really. So with you being appointed player manager, I'm guessing you probably lent on others in within the squad. Was it difficult to to try and split the two roles because? With a manager, you've got to have a level of authority. With being a player, you can you can essentially be one of the lads. Was it difficult to try and find the right balance between the two? Yeah, that that was the hardest thing, really. Um, in the sense of, if I'd been at the club for quite a long time, I think it was sort of four or five years before I got the manager's role. And one minute you're your teammates, the yeah. next minute you're their manager. Yeah. So that, that, that was the hardest thing. But obviously combining that with playing as well. Um, I spoke to a lot of people who, who, who I knew played with and other managers and stuff throughout the game. And a lot of them sort of said they didn't think the player-manager player, player role could work, um, which I'm quite a headstrong person as well. I know my own mind and I sort of essentially find my own way, if you like, as well. But also listening to other people's advice. I believe it could work. Um, I believe it did work for a certain period of time, but I think when it went from me giving sole charge, it, it, it was unfortunate that I was at a club where we didn't have so much, so much finances and I didn't have the ability to bring people in to have sort of three, four, five coaches on the side so as I could continue to play, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, added to that with all taking training and all stuff like that because of the lack of other coaches and resources and stuff. It um it did have an impact during the player manager's role, but the relationship wise with the players that was hard. And and sort of February time of the first season, I was asked by the chairman to cut their wages as well for financial for being over budget and the financial reasons. So that was the that's the hardest thing I've done in football. I think to one minute be a player with them as teammates to a couple of months down the line to sit opposite them at a desk and ask them to take a paper. Um, and that, that was difficult. Yeah, we'll we'll touch on the the unfortunate circumstances which led to you know you leaving the position a little bit later on. But well, you got offered the the role of, of being being manager. Did you have any previous experience of working with maybe coaching junior teams or anything? Because a lot of people when they the work in non league, they've generally built the the CV up from working in junior football and then eventually developing into the managers or coaches of a men's team. Or was it just a case of you know, I've been here for quite a while. I'll, you know, I'll take the reins because I know the lads and I know the club quite well. I, I think it was um, a bit more of the latter. I coached at Swindon when I was at Swindon for three years um, with Paul Bowden, was an assistant to him to to the under thirteen side. Yeah. Um, so, so I've been I've been around that when I was younger, um, but mainly I think I think it was possibly because I was the one of the experienced players um, I'd been at the club a while and they wanted to point a point from within because because they've had Hungerford had had a lot of success in a short period of time as well so yeah. I think they wanted a bit of continuity which is totally understandable um, but no really I mean I've, I've been 
I've been at more clubs that I would have liked. Um, I've played under some good managers and I've played under some bad managers. Um, and, and like we touched on earlier, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And, and I kind of like to think I've taken bits from the good ones and, and the not so good ones that I feel things shouldn't be done. I've added to that as well. So, um, so yeah, essentially, I think it was just to continue with the continuity of, of somebody that's been at the club initially yeah a name you mentioned before was Nick Holmes was he someone who played a big part in your way of playing the game or your way of approaching players when it when it came to man management it's definitely um how to treat people I think um Nick Nick, obviously what what he'd done in the game for Southampton playing wise was obviously I think that commands the respect it deserves as well but but how he is as a person, he's one of the nicest men I've ever met. Um, and I think in two years, and my loan spell, I think I probably only ever heard him shout twice, <laughs> um, which, which which spoke volumes to me. Yeah, definitely. Um, because you, 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 he commanded that respect. And it was, it was just how he treated people and what he'd done for you and, and, and how he gets his point across and... and yeah, I just learned so much from from him, and you don't need to you don't need to shout to make yourself heard. And I think that's that's the biggest thing. Although some people that know me listening to that might think I'm the complete opposite, <laughs> but I'm I'm still young, and 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 that's another thing that I'm learning. But but that's the main thing. He, he just had that air about him, and and you just listened. You listened, no matter what he said, you listened. Um, so yeah, essentially, it's how how to treat people more than anything. Yeah, and you said before that you're always going to take things from different managers in terms of the good things about some managers. You might also take the bad things about some managers and think, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Actually, I'm going to try and mould what they've done into my own philosophy and my own style. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I think for, for people that haven't ever been a manager, that's players, supporters, anyone, we, we all think it's an easy job and why is it? doing this why isn't he doing that etc but until you're until you're in the thick of it I, I i remember the first time the first game when i was stood on the side normally a few weeks previous you're a player yeah and you sat thinking to yourself or you're chatting to one of the other lads oh why aren't we doing this we should be doing that why aren't we doing this all of a sudden you stood on the side and you you, you just don't know what to say yeah <laughs> that's how it felt yeah it felt like blimey all then all of a sudden, three, four, five weeks in, you're comfortable, you're used to it, and there you go. But um, but yeah, I think definitely you've got to pick up things from from you've got to learn from your experiences, haven't you? And, and that's not just football; that's in life and and the people around you. And and I think the biggest thing for me, which which for me as a coach, stroke manager on the sideline, it is definitely that how you are, how you treat people, and. Is there any need to shout and holler and dance around like a madman on the sideline? People seem to perceive that as passion. Yeah. But being a player, who do the players really listen to that when you're when you're playing a game? So, yeah. So I'm trying to sort of calm down a bit, but but um, but whether I get there, will time will tell. <laughs> I'm sure you will, as as your experiences experiences go on in the years. Um, just qu- quickly, want to touch on. The, the circumstances which led to, to your resi- resignation as manager of the club. You you were, you were made aware of the, the low budget when you first took over, but was there anything else that led to that resignation or was it just essentially, you, you know, you, you just found it far too difficult to work with such a low budget and trying to get the players in you wanted and 
trying to do things behind the scenes that you wanted to do? Uh, it, it, it's a difficult question, really, Scott. It's, um, I was at the club as manager for two and a half, just over two and a half, three years, I think. And I worked under three different chairmen. Okay. Um, and both chairmen, the, the, the first two chairmen, I'm grateful to all three for allowing me to, to sort of be manager of their football club, if you like. But yeah. All three, I've had to sit in front of players and tell them their wages are cut. Um, which isn't nice. Um, and I only ask for, for two things. I don't ask for a lot as a manager. And I've been at the club a long time. I've put my heart and soul into the club. Um, I've kind of, I ended my football career, playing career early for the club. And, and I just ask for two things, and that's a training pitch. Um, and whatever budget it is, no matter how low it may be, um, make sure it stays there the whole season. Yeah. And I'll promise those two things by the new chairman this season. I managed to fight off voluntary relegation last year. Mm-hmm. We got the new chairman in. I was made those two promises along with certain other things. And they didn't materialise. And before the COVID outbreak broke, um, I was sent an email to cut the players' wages and, and how it was done and how it was worded. It didn't sit right with me. Um, and I think there needs to be a bit of a fundamental change of, of how people treat players in football because they're not pieces of meat. And just because you've made a mistake, why should players suffer by not being paid a contract that they've signed in good faith? Um, so that was part of it. And I think that was the initial sort of sort of relationship breakdown. But essentially, I'd, I'd have probably done the job for nothing this year yeah. um, if, if the club would have agreed to certain things that I wanted to do. And that was heavily on the, the mental health side of the game to help young, help the players out and give them the psychological support they needed. Um, but certain things that I wanted to do wasn't, they, the, the club thought they couldn't do that. So there wasn't really much of a discussion really. And, and that's, that's essentially why I sort of made the decision to step away. Yeah, it's always a difficult conversation to have, even with, even with you now. I, I don't want to get into a... To a point where I'm starting to criticise criticise clubs or anything. That's certainly not what this is about. It's just it's just interesting to hear you know what leads to what leads to from one thing to another really. So um, I I do want to before we move on. I do want to end your the conversation about your, your time as Hungerford Town manager on a positive note. So what was your yeah. what was your favourite memory? What was it was it a certain game which you which stood stands out for you in in your mind to say you know this is a this is something I'll never ever forget. There's a few really. Obviously, I, I was there quite a long time, and, and and obviously the positions of our table, uh, the positions in the league table that where we finish sort of tell their own story. And there's possibly more lows than highs, but I think um, last season the sort of the run we went on from Christmas. It's difficult, but when you're at a club, when you you can't just go out and get the players you want yeah. for the system you want etc so each year it was sort of trying to mold players grow and find a system to suit them etc but last not the not the season before last should i say i think from christmas to the end of the season we'd have been in um we'd have been in eighth in the form table um for that young group of players that was fa- a fantastic finish to the season and the bank holiday weekend we had bath on the friday yeah um we drew near when we should have won and then we went we was playing Torquay away um and i knew we'd win i just knew they would um i knew that the young lads would thrive at thrive at the occasion 
Torquay were being crowd champions. There are 5,200 people there, 5,400 supporters. And it just felt, when the game was kicking off, I just felt calm, relaxed. And it felt like proper football again at Torquay's ground with, with all those supporters, if that makes sense. I, I yeah. felt like an environment I hadn't been in a long time. Um, so, yeah, that, that day for us to win 1-0 at Torquay is something that I won't forget because it, it kind of it set us up to be able to draw with East Thurrock on the last day of the season um, to, to mean that we stayed up, not relying on other results. We'd done it ourselves. So, yeah, Torquay is probably the day that I live long in my memory. Yeah, good stuff. It's always nice to hear good memories from a club, which, like you said, it, it's always difficult to to work under those circumstances but to hear good memories is, is always a positive so what's next for you then are you have you got plans to go back into playing or is it are you done now playing wise is it management no, next for you with, I don't know I don't know it's the first time for a long time like I've been at Hungerford for eight years so and I've always sort of re-signed to them etc because to, for various different reasons so it's the first time in a long time where I'm available if that makes sense yeah um and it was a decision, I, I envisaged myself being at Hungerford as manager for a long, long time. Um, but So it was a decision made with no, with no future plans, if you like. So, so no, I've, during the lockdown, um, when we've been in lockdown, I've, I've got myself fit. Um, again, I've lost a stone because as a manager, I was neglecting myself physically as yeah. well. So lost a stone. I've had a couple of discussions with teams um, about playing. So if I play again for a year or so, I'll play again. Um, if the right management or coaching opportunity comes along as well, then I'll coach. So, but no, essentially at, at this moment in time, it looks like I might be going into playing again. Good stuff. It's always it's always good to keep the the body fit as well as the mind, like you mentioned as well before. Um, yeah. Hey. So Ian, I'd like to thank you very much for coming along today. It's been a really interesting discussion. I always love I always love discussing non-league football. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic chat to have with with everybody else, but especially someone who isn't from the northeast is from a different part of the country. It, it's great to hear yeah. your experiences. So thanks very much. No, thanks for having me, Scott. My pleasure, mate. Not a problem. Um, so that just concludes series one of Ninetieth Minute Winner. I'd like to thank you, everyone, for listening to listening to the episodes i'd also like to thank every guest who's come on this series it's it's been an intriguing conversation every single time i've recorded an episode um and i'll be sure to get some good guests on for series two i will repost every single episode on my personal twitter account for everybody to listen to um so thanks everyone and we'll see you soon <laughs>